There's so much health advice floating around, online, among friends. But who can you really trust? Trust the experts. Listen to the world's brightest medical minds, our very own Cleveland Clinic experts. We ask them real questions, tough and intimate health questions, and we get real answers, all originally recorded live. So sleeping through the night with restless leg syndrome. So restless leg syndrome was uh, just a little bit about the history. Restless leg syndrome was first described by this gentleman, uh, Sir Thomas Willis, who was a very famous uh, physician. And, uh, and the way he described it was arms and legs leaping in contractions, which is you know, a, very, a fairly good description of what restless leg syndrome is. But not much more came of this uh, condition until 1944, when this gentleman, uh, Dr. Ekbaum, uh, gave the first detailed description of the syndrome, and he's the guy who coined the term restless legs, okay? And so, as a result, sometimes restless leg syndrome is referred to as Willis-Ekbaum disease, ba uh, based on those two, uh, those two physicians. Okay, so what is restless leg syndrome? Restless leg syndrome is a condition where you have to have four symptoms, okay? And this is a clinical diagnosis. So there's no blood test, there's no sleep study, it's just you and your physician talking, and your physician asking you some questions about whether you have the symptoms. So what are the symptoms? So the first symptom is you have to have an urge to move the legs, okay? And that's usually accompanied by an uncomfortable or an unpleasant sensation in the legs. So people feel this burning desire to move their legs because their legs are bothering them. Okay? Two, the restless legs has to begin or get worse during periods of rest or inactivity. So that means restless legs hits you when you're sitting or you're laying down. And if you're standing up and about and doing stuff, it's not much of an issue, okay? Number three, the restless legs has to be partially or totally relieved by movement, okay? So your legs are driving you crazy, and when you stretch your legs, when you walk, when you move them, oh, there's a sense of relief, okay? And that sense of relief can be can, can last for minutes after you move the legs, or it might only last for as long as you're moving the leg. So it can really be a torture. Your legs are driving you nuts and you have to keep moving, and in, in the moment you stop, they start bothering you again. And then the fourth criteria is the restless legs has to occur exclusively or predominantly in the evenings or at nighttime, okay? So those are the four criteria. If you have all four of those, then you meet criteria for restless leg syndrome. Okay, so what else do we see in patients with restless legs? So oftentimes there is a positive family history. Restless legs often runs in families. Um, so it's said that the prevalence of restless legs among first-degree relatives 
is three to five times greater in people who have restless legs. Okay, so it tends to run in the family. Two, restless legs tends to respond to a certain class of medication. And we call this, medica- this class of medication dopaminergic medication. Okay, so if somebody does not respond to one of these medications, this dopamine, dopamine agonist, that's what we call them, then maybe it's not restless legs. Third, restless legs is associated with periodic leg movements. So people who have restless legs, they feel an urge to kick their legs while they're sitting or laying down. But even when they're asleep, their legs continue to jerk. And so they torture the, you know, the bed part. And then last, you know, all these limb jerks result in a sleep disturbance. Okay. So 80, it's thought that 80 to 90% of people with restless legs, remember, restless legs is the urge to move your legs, 80 to 90% of these people have <coughs> limb jerks while they're asleep. Okay. And oftentimes what happens is they have these jerks while they're asleep and they're unaware of them, but the jerks can wake them up. And so then they, their body kind of jerks, they wake up, and then the restless legs gets a hold of them and they feel like they need to move their legs and then they have trouble going back to sleep because their legs are bothering them. Patients with restless legs in general tend to do better in the early morning hours. So restless legs is terrible in the evening and at night, but once you get over the hump and you pass maybe three or four in the morning, then the restless legs gets better. The last thing I want to to explain about restless legs here is that restless legs is associated with increased risk of depression and anxiety. Okay. So when does restless legs start? So restless legs can start at any age, okay? It can start in children, it can start in the elderly. In general, we describe early onset as onset of restless legs before the age of 45 years. And when it starts before the age of 45 years, it tends to be intermittent, So it's not terrible when it first starts. And then it slowly gets worse. And it becomes a daily problem not before the age of, you know, somewhere between the age of 40 and 65, that's when it becomes a daily problem. So when it's early onset, it's usually mild at the beginning, and then it gets worse. When it's late onset, meaning it starts after the age of 45, it's usually stable from the beginning, or it'll get worse for the first five years and then become stable, okay? So it doesn't dramatically get worse after the first five-year period. Where does restless legs bother people? So restless legs mostly involves the calves, okay? Rarely... It's usually not in the feet or the ankles. It's usually happening in the calves when it starts. And then over time, 
it can spread to other parts of the body. And so in a fair percentage of patients, some, some studies say up to 50% of patients get restless legs in the arms as well. So they probably should have called it restless <laughs> limb syndrome instead of restless leg syndrome. Okay, so who gets it? So it's thought to occur in 5 to 10% of people of Northern European uh, ancestry. And it happens in a, in a much smaller degree in people from the Indian subcontinent and then amongst Asian subpopulations, amongst Asian populations. And it is more frequent in women. So it happens in 1.5 to 2 women for every man. Okay, what causes restless legs? So a large percentage of restless legs is primary. That means it runs in the family. It's genetic, okay? In addition, a fairly large percentage get it from iron deficiency. So iron, we always check people's blood levels of their iron and their ferritin to see if they have a clear secondary cause of restless legs. And then restless legs also is commonly seen in people with end-stage renal disease, so people with, um, with kidney damage, kidney failure. Okay, what else can cause restless legs, or at least aggravate it? So caffeine can, alcohol can. Um, there are a variety of different medications that can cause restless legs. So it's thought that all antidepressants can cause restless legs except for one. And that medication is Welbutrin or Bupropion. Okay. Restless legs can also be caused by sedating antihistamines. So this is Benadryl, Tylenol PM. Anything with the word PM at the end generally means it's a sedating antihistamine. Usually doxylamine is the active ingredient um, and unison. So one of the cruel ironies is people with restless legs, they have terrible insomnia. They can't fall asleep. So what do they do? They go to the drugstore and they buy Tylenol PM and then they take that and then that makes their restless legs even worse. Okay. Another class of medications that can cause restless legs is the antipsychotics um, and the antiemetics. So antiemetics are medications that are used for nausea. Okay, and then the last medication uh, to think about is lithium. Lithium is a medication that's commonly used for the treatment of bipolar disorder. That can also make restless legs worse. Okay. So we talked about how we diagnose restless legs. It's a clinical diagnosis. We check for those four historical features. How do we evaluate patients with restless legs? So we check their blood and we look to see, do they have an iron deficiency? Because iron deficiency can cause restless legs. Is a sleep study necessary to diagnose restless legs? The answer is no. We don't do sleep studies for restless legs. However, when we do do sleep studies, we do monitor the legs. 
And sometimes we pick up restless legs on a sleep study. And so the way that shows up is we put these little, these little uh, electrodes here on the legs. And so there's a muscle here, the tibialis anterior. And whenever the person jerks their legs, we can see that on the sleep study. And so this is what it looks like. So when, whenever we do sleep studies, here's that tibialis anterior. People with restless legs, what they show us is these jerks. And these jerks happen every 20 to 40 seconds. Boom, they jerk their legs. Boom, they jerk their legs. And they do this a, a, a significant part of the night. Okay. So how do we treat restless legs. So there are non-pharmacologic treatments for restless legs. So how do we treat it without using medication? <coughs> so the first obvious thing is you want to avoid the things that make, that cause restless legs, right? So you can avoid alcohol. You can avoid caffeine because we know those things cause restless legs. And then you want to avoid the medications that cause restless legs. And we talked about those medications, right? Sedating antihistamines, antidepressants, antipsychotic, antiemetic medications, and then also lithium. Another thing that can be done is is keeping your mind alert. So believe it or not, studies have shown that if people perform tasks like mathematical tasks in their head while they're laying there in their bed, things that require a large amount of concentration, that can, that can improve restless legs. But it's a tough thing to do when you're trying to go to sleep at night, right? I mean, that's, 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 a, rough, that's a rough way to kind of manage the issue. Another way is massaging the, uh, the affected body parts. That can help restless legs, so squeezing them. Taking a hot bath can help. Uh, applying something hot or cold to the affected limbs can help. And believe it or not, there is a device that came out uh, one year ago, almost exactly one year ago, called the Relaxus Pad, and it has FDA approval. And what it is, is it's this little pad that you put underneath your leg. And what it does is it vibrates. And it can help restless legs a little bit, but I heard it's really expensive. Uh, so that's the problem with the Relaxus pad. I actually have never had a patient use this device. I haven't needed to, honestly. Okay, so medication is usually how we treat patients with restless legs. And there are a variety of different classes of medications. The first line treatment is medication that's called dopamine agonist. Remember I told you earlier that dopamine agonists are very effective for controlling restless legs. There are three medications that we use in this category. So there is pramipexol, which is known as Mirapex. You may have seen some commercials on TV. There's another one called Ropinerol or Requip. And then there's a last one called Reticotine, which is a patch. It's also known as Nupro. This class of medications, the dopamine agonists, 
are medications that were designed for the treatment of Parkinson's disease. Parkinson's disease is an unrelated disorder where there is a deficiency of dopamine. These people don't produce enough dopamine. And this class of medications, the dopamine agonist, it simulates dopamine. It's a manufactured substance that binds to the receptors where dopamine usually binds. And, and they discovered many years ago that this class of medication is very good for restless legs. Okay? Now, another very effective treatment class is the anticonvulsant drugs. These are medications that were designed for seizures, okay? And these are very good for controlling restless legs. In this group, we have gabapentin or Neurontin. I'm sure many of you have heard of this medication. Um, this is one of my favorite medications because it's very inexpensive. It's available as a generic, and it doesn't cause a lot of side effects. There is a, a closely related medication called gabapentin enacarbyl, which is also known as Horizont. Okay, and this is a medication that is a pre-drug. So in other words, it's a medication that you take and then it gets broken down into plain old gabapentin but it has a longer half-life. It sticks around in your blood longer. The problem with it is it's expensive because it's a newer drug. It's, it's not available as a generic. And then this last medication is a medication called pregabalin or Lyrica. And pregabalin is a medication that really has never been used, I believe, as an anticonvulsant. It's a, uh, as a seizure medication. It's mostly used for chronic pain. And it is very good for controlling um, peripheral neuropathy type pain. And it's also very good for controlling fibromyalgia type pain. Okay? Now the next type of medication that we have listed here are the dopamine precursors. And this is a really old medication called levodopa carbidopa, and the other name is Cinemet. And this is a safe medication. It's a medication that came out, gosh, I think back in the 1960s or 70s, and it's used to treat Parkinson's disease. And this medication is very effective in treating restless legs but we don't use it very much anymore. Um, and the reason we don't use it is because sometimes it can make restless legs worse. And we can talk a little bit more about that later. It controls it initially, but down the road after a few years, the restless legs can get worse. And that's something called augmentation. Okay. And then we have the benzodiazepines. These are sedative-type medications. The benzodiazepine medications, like clonazepam or clonopin, can be effective for restless legs. The problem with them is that there's the, there's the potential for addiction. Now, the risk of addiction is minuscule, but it's, it's there, it's real. And it's probably a medication that 
you don't want to use if you're you have a history of of, of substance abuse or alcohol a lot of uh, alcohol consumption and then we have other medications so believe it or not there are a lot of other medications that can be used one of them is one class is the opioids okay these are narcotic type agents that are used for pain control and we usually try not to use this class of medication because those truly are quite addictive and so we try to hold off on using that class of medication okay so what did we talk about today so we talked about restless leg syndrome a condition where people feel like they need to kick their legs move them it happens at night mostly and in the evenings it happens when you're at rest and it's alleviated by movement it's a diagnosis made by history we talked about how we evaluate patients with restless legs by checking the blood for an iron deficiency and we talked about how we treat people with restless legs by using non-medication type treatments and then medication type treatments. This concludes this Cleveland Clinic Health Essentials podcast. Thank you for listening. Join us again soon.